Welcome to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? Hey, happy Wednesday to you. Little news for you. Last show, best show. Last show of the week, boys. Let's fire it off. That is right. It is the last show of the week because tomorrow, um, tomorrow, my wife and I, we celebrate four years of marriage. That's right. October 12th, 2019. Or as a lot of Georgia fans might remember it, uh, that's the South Carolina loss. Um, and you got to understand something. I was working for Sports Illustrated at the time. I see in the face. You got to understand something about my wife, okay? Um, she honestly could care less about football. It's not that she doesn't like it. It's just that she doesn't really care. She doesn't care what exists around the world of football. Honestly, it's a really, and it's kind of a microcosm of our relationship. It's the perfect balance for a psycho like me who lives, sleeps, eats, and breathes football. When I get done with it, I don't need to be talking or watching or being around no more football. I need to be around anything but um so that makes her the perfect fit for me but nonetheless um you know when it comes to that day when it came to her getting married and 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 the day of her dream or, or excuse me the the day of her dreams as a child or as a young lady or whatever um she dreamed her whole life of a fall wedding so when it came to that day um that was not gonna be anything that football was on her mind about. That was something that was about a a, a fall wedding, right? Envisioning the foliage and the pictures and all that good stuff. And we did. We had a tremendously beautiful wedding. Um, For all of you listening right now or in the comments or in the chats saying something like, fall wedding, couldn't be be me, bro. Wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be going out like that. Football, are you kidding me? I wouldn't be doing that to my boys. Uh Uh-uh, couldn't be me. Um, I'm just going to let you know that for me, if that's you, that's fine. All all more power to you. But for me, I might have complained a little bit, but there wasn't going to be no, I'm going to go down dying on this one. I'm like, look, man, when you get married or if you're entering a marriage, just be careful about the battles you pick. I wasn't about to pick a battle over a South Carolina football game, to be honest with you. Now, that might, that might sound crazy to some people, and I was even employed to cover them, but to me, it wasn't a battle that I was going to go down with. So tomorrow, again, my wife and I, we do celebrate our fourth year of marriage, and I could not be more thankful for her. You know, I hear a lot of times, you know, people give me a lot of kudos for my work ethic and how hard I work, and, and you guys know this, and, and, and people are like, hey, man, you got to slow down, got to slow down, and that's all great, and I appreciate the comments and the compliments, rather, about my work ethic. I think it is one of the things that sets me apart. Um, And it's why I am who I am. But that being said, man, for every hour I'm burning at the, uh, you know, burning at both ends for every, uh, you know, time I'm going away or chasing a story or chasing a piece of content. That's my wife raising our children by herself in that moment and in that time. So my wife's work work ethic is mine times two. Okay, so understand that. So um, for that right there for Haley Austin, let's uh, give her three. Um, Yeah, I do truly love and adore my wife and I'm extremely uh, thankful for how lucky I am. I think about all the all the things in my life that I'm grateful for and a lot of them are dumb luck. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think a lot of the career path is work ethic based, but a lot of it is running into some dumb luck, having some good breaks every once in a while with you. I think that's a lot of life, but every single bit of 
like positive turn in my life, I can almost date back to the day I bumped into her. So shouts out to that woman. She is my rock. Um, I appreciate her tremendously. So you guys have had a chance to meet the wife. Yeah. Um, and the kiddos. Nice. And that's dope. I'm glad. That's one of my favorite things about building this down here, that the family gets to be the family. Like, y'all y'all get to be around them as well and get to watch the kiddos grow up. So that's dope. Yeah. They're a great welcoming committee every day. Get yeah. to see them outside. Get to say hello. Carter called you his friends yesterday. He did. That was pro that made my day, honestly. Yeah, that's dope, man. I, it made my day, too, when y'all came in with a smile on your face talking about the boy. Um, yeah, man. So shouts out to the wife. Uh, how are we feeling today, boys? Welcome into the show, by the way. Doing good. It's kind of that part of the semester, though, where it's kind of getting a little hectic. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. This Are we week, past midterms, at midterms? No, we're, we're at midterms. We're at midterms. We're at midterms. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell by the article pro uh, production rates. <laughs> I, did, I just put one out. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick it up. That's my job, to pick it up. What's up, man? How you doing today? I'm chilling, man. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of enjoying this rainy day. Honestly, yeah? not going to lie. You enjoy a little rainy day. I like day a good fall while? rainy day when you're driving around and it's cold outside. Mm. You're like, this yeah. is kind of nice. A little water on the tire. Yeah. Yeah. Smell it when it hits concrete. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of them smells. It is. I mean, one of them smells is almost like a, smell, a very familiar smell when you walk into a kitchen, whatever your favorite smell is in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Rain on an asphalt is one that we all yep. resonate with. Um, I don't know if my foot hurt this morning because of the rain. I, I think I'm getting into that age in my life where, like, joints start to hurt because of the rain or the barometric pressure if you will have i mean the scientific term um but i also think it's, it might be just because i got my foot hurt mm. you know I, you I, I, might have, foot? I think i need new running shoes to to, to be honest wow. with you um but you know that's that's a me problem um yeah we don't have play oh oh Welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you tonight. Uh, it is our last show, so we're going to be giving you our final thoughts on that uh, Vandy game. Does Kirby Smart hate Vandy? We're going to talk about it tonight. Athens After Dark apparently is a subject we're talking about tonight. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, don't necessarily have any presser thoughts for you, but I do have a special guest appearance that we're going to throw on you guys tonight. Um, other than that, I do think we need to knock out uh, these player props. Our, our folks over at Prize Picks, promo code Brooks today, you get a 100% deposit match over there with those guys. What does that mean? Up to $100, you'll get $100 matched instantly if you sign up today using promo code Brooks. Unfortunately, the promo codes are only available for new users. However, Okay, if you're an OG, if you're one of them guys or, and gals that have been around this network for a while, just continue to support those that support us. Wherever you're doing your player propping, make sure you're doing that propping over there on prizepicks.com because, hey, they are family, so support us um, over there. Um, let's make up some player props. We don't have Georgia ones available today because they are a 31.5-point favorite yeah. against Vandy. Ain't going to be setting player props on games that you have no idea how often guys are going to be playing. So, we thought it'd be fun. Let's make up some of our owns in, in the honor and in the name of our friends yeah, over just, at Prize Picks. I just double checked that you not have them. Yeah, up, so. I was looking at them. Yeah, it's all good. All what right. do you got for us, Jay Will? First one I got lined up Carson Beck, 280 passing yards. So, let's assume. Let's assume Carson Beck plays uh, two drives in the, in the third quarter. Mm hmm. Okay, two drives in the third quarter, and I would imagine for him to be out of the game at that point, they're up 35 points. Mm -hmm. So, let's say it's a 42-7 to football game. That means, does Georgia have the ability this year to score 42 points without Carson Beck throwing for 280 yards? I'm going to say no. I'm going to take the over on that with that, that, that basic math principle right there did I tell everyone make sure you hit that thumbs up button like subscribe rate review if you haven't make sure you did, you did. Um, but I'm gonna take the over on that one 
What yeah, about I, you, Curb? I had Carson Beck at 325. That Ooh. was be my line. That's but uh, another one I've got is Brock Bowers, 150 receiving yards over under. Oh, you did some too. Okay. All right. 150. 150. That's a, that's a lot more than I put the line 150. at. 150. I think the line should be set at like 95. That's exactly what I put it at. 95. 150 One, steep for me. Well, here's the deal. Now, this is – if this were a uh, Ohio State football team, if this were – I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I don't want to accuse Ryan Day of such uh, – such, uh, matriculation or manipulation I should say but some of these some of the I was struggling there some of these football teams that want to win Heisman's they'll go out and they'll feed Mm -hmm. they'll they'll go out and they'll eat this will be a stack game this will be hey let's make sure we get him 150 in the first half in the first three quarters Um, but that ain't Kirby Smart's get down I could see an eight for 88 Mm -hmm. in this football game the reason I put it under the reason I put it at 150 was just because Mike Bobo, as we've seen, when you get a guy rolling, he tends to feed him more one. And the fact that it's Brock Bowers, I mean, he's one broken tackle away from making it a 90-yard reception. This is a fact. So that's yeah. kind of why I was leaning 150. Going against Vanderbilt, probably the worst SEC team you're going to play all year. Is there a single player on Vandy's defense that could run down Brock Bowers in open field? I don't know about no. that. No. I don't want to. I don't want to say it as fact, but I'm I'm going to be dubious of the fact that it could happen. Um, so you're right. If there is a uh, an opportunity for a broken tackle out in space, and then it's like, oh, he has to make the safety miss, and then there's 85 right yeah. there. That's a good point because I mean, if you are going to get it to Brock Bowers, I could see it being something where you set up a play for him early in the football game and try and get him his touches early. And if mm-hmm. he breaks one, then heck, he'll have over half of that already, pretty much. What else we got? I've got another one. Pop and Smile combined, 15 total tackles. Over. Mm-hmm. Over. Um, Oh, I don't know why I jumped on that so heavy. Because, I mean, they haven't – I think most of the, the leading tackles in, in singular games have been Malachi Starks this mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. If I go back and really check the box scores. They would have to have seven and a half each for well, yeah. that to hit. Math is math in there. Just making um, sure. I, ooh, that's a good line. Yeah. What'd you well, say no, I'm, I'm going to go under for this reason. Okay, this is a good C.J. Allen needs burn game. This is a good we got to get Xavier Soros some reps game. This is a good, uh, you know, Raylan Wilson. Let's get him back healthy. Let's see how that knee looks out in space. Get him comfortable. I remember watching uh, this Vandy game on the road two years ago, and that's when I kind of knew that, 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 like, Channy Tindall fit to be a guy, yeah. okay, like really flashed big time. And even the, the, the depth of the, the group right there, Ryan Davis flashed in that football game for me. Tresman Marshall flashed in that football game for me. This is the type of game. Kirby always talks about he never overlooks an opponent. I'm not calling boo hockey, but I kind of am because you'll notice very early on in football games um, that he, he gets guys run. Like he'll get or those young kids onto the field even when they're not up 35 to nothing. On the defensive side of the football, he kind of waits until things are in hand uh, offensively. Do you have any player props on the running backs? Did we set a line? On any of those guys? I didn't do any just because I don't really know who's going to get what. I don't know how healthy Kendall <clears throat> Milton is, how much run he's going to get. So I kind of stayed away from making I said Dejon Edwards 65. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna go over on that. And, and Kendall, just to talk about it, 100% healthy. We're going to talk about it uh, with our next guest. Uh, go ahead and patch him in uh, right now. So we've been asked about this dozens of times. What would you say, boys? Dozens of times in the chat uh, for our boy, Mr. Jamie Goodman, legendary podcaster. Jamie Goodman. Jamie Goodman. How are we doing, Jamie? How are we doing, Jamie? 
We're doing great, fellas. How are we? How are you guys? I'm doing good. The only editorial note I got for you is make sure we got some audio running uh, into the headphones so we don't have any echo. I think that we heard a little bit of echo there. Yeah, I don't um, know why it's not. It tested into the headphones, but now it's here, so... Well, anyways, uh, we got Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton today during uh, media availability, and yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a noticeable echo there. Um, yeah, give me a second. You're good. I don't know how to do this during live television, though. So that that's the hard part. So, anyways, but we got him today. Is there any way to mute his audio? There is. All right, let's mute his audio. Um, and let's get him off the screen while he tries to figure that out because nothing worse than, than being on camera when you're not looking at the camera. So let, let's let him figure that out over there. But let's talk about uh, Kendall and Dejon. We had them today during media availability. First of all, Dejon Edwards, Dale McGee, Spider-Man meme. They're the same human. They talk the same. Um, they act the same. They answer questions the same. They are very short. They are very uh, short in terms of like not only stature but how they answer questions. Uh, very South Georgia draw about them. They are very, very similar human beings. Uh, and interesting to ask Dejan about his dead leg because it's what he's becoming known for, in my opinion. And and um, apparently they call him Frank Gore. They call him Will Frank. Mm. Um, that I guess that's what running backs Kenny apparently gave him that nickname back in the day. Um, something that they all thought he kind of you know showed similar running styles as him. And honestly, Frank Gore. I think like top four, top five all time in, in, in NFL rushing yards. The goat of longevity. The goat of, go, the goat of longevity, as is Dejon Edwards, only had one like minor injury really, and it, it was this year uh, during his college career. But most importantly, I think of Frank Gore as the goat of the four and a half yard carry. Mm. Like Frank Gore, go look at Frank Gore highlights and count how many 80 yard touches there, there are in that. There's not a bunch of them. Frank Gore's highlights are, are 20 yard uh, little breakers you know, get tackled. Or, wow, he turned a two into an eight. And that's exactly how we describe Dejan Edwards. Let's, uh, let's test our boy Jamie's audio one more time uh, and see what's got going on there. Jambo, how we doing, baby? I think we're doing better. I mean, you know, old folks and technology. Hey, I'm not going to blame it on you. Hey, I think we're good. I'm going to blame it on the technology. I'm going to blame it on the fact that we gave you a, a new piece of interface that you haven't used before. Um, and we're also going to conduct this interview a little bit different than I think most people are used to. Um, but anyways, we were just talking about, you know, Dejan and Kendall. I, I think it's important for Kendall to get back, you know, onto this roster and fully healthy in himself for this reason, Jamie and, and guys. He provides a different, like, pace, a different feel as, as a linebacker. So I was watching Fred Warner talk about linebacker play today, and he talks about how he reads almost like a triangle, if you will. He reads through the guards to the feet of the back. So if I'm reading through the guards to the feet of the back, all right, and the triangle, the, the, the final focal point is the feet of the back. Well, if that pace of the back is always changing, okay, because they're changing backs, well, then that makes my job as a linebacker so much more difficult. Jamie, just, just kind of speak to the, to the joining or the, the getting Kendall back to this offense, what it kind of means to see him. Saturday, he looked like himself. Right. I mean, he looked great Saturday, in my opinion. He looked to be as healthy as he's been since the end of last year. But aside from just providing depth, which we need, I mean, Kendall's a six yards to carry back, and he's more physical than anybody that's active on our roster right now. So it does provide a different look. And I think, I mean, pairing him with someone like Dejan, as you said, that has, 
starting to make a name from him for himself with that dead leg. It's nice to have that change of pace. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think especially with how well Carson played and how well Brock played on Saturday, I think Kendall's performance kind of got thrown under the radar a little bit. Not a lot of people were noticing it because everybody else around him was playing so well, but it was definitely good to see him back. I think he does provide another element to this Dude, offense. He had a play Saturday where he got he kind of got like pinned up with one leg and like landed on one foot and put one hand on the ground and just like it's the burst and the 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 contact balance and that like suddenness that I, I remember he showed like yeah. third against game of the Auburn. year against no Tennessee 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 oh, dude Tennessee he gets smacked on the sideline at home in 2020 and just like or 2021 and just like ping pongs off the guy the, the defender just bounces off of him and I remember Kirby after the game going man freshman backs don't get hit like that and just continue to run it's fun to watch that and again it's a total different pace than what Dejan is like Dejan, you almost gotta you almost gotta unzip your feet really really early because he's gonna make you miss. Whereas Kendall, man, you gotta bring your hat. Like it's two totally different styles of running, um, and I'm excited to see you know Kendall get back healthy. Do you have something, Kirby? I was gonna say the Kendall we saw on Saturday was probably the closest thing we've ever seen to him looking like himself in 2020. Yeah. 2021, he was injured. 2022, he kind of had lingering injuries from that 2023 that game on Saturday he looked the most like freshman Kendall Milton absolutely um no the the change of pace is the is the biggest thing I, I think this is a round robin discussion and for me it hasn't changed okay when you look at the schedule in August I looked at it and said okay yeah Auburn road game might be tough first road game for the quarterback all right and, and then the rest of the schedule everybody wanted to point to Tennessee my mind immediately clicked and was like, okay, Kentucky, probably going to be a fraudulent 5-0. Okay, probably going to be a good football team. But I circled Ole Miss in red letters. So you've gotten past the halfway point of the season. You've gotten past Kentucky, which leading up to last week's football game, everybody and their mama was like, this is the test. This is the test. Georgia's the line of scrimmage play. Yeah, 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 yada, 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 yada. Whatever. Okay, they got past Kentucky to the room and to our boy Jambo over there. What is the remaining test on the schedule? You know where I stand with this Ole Miss football team, but who's it going to be? Who's the team that scares you? We'll start with you, Jay Will. I think it is Ole Miss just because, I mean, heck, they've put up offensive numbers. We saw what they did to LSU. Now, LSU's defense we know is very porous. We've mm -hmm. seen how bad they are. But I think it's just that Ole Miss has been the more consistent team throughout this season, even though they do have a, a loss in, their, in the um, L column for them. But I think it just continues to be that Ole Miss – poses the most threat to what could potentially hurt Georgia the most in a football game? Ole Miss is definitely the right answer. I think there's a couple other games. Tennessee's going to be the toughest environment you go into. I think Florida's going to be the most unique environment you go into. It, even though Florida's not a good team from what we've seen, it's still going to be a challenge. It's still going to be somewhat of a test. I think you're going to have different tests as you go on throughout the game. What do you got, Jamie? Season. Uh, yeah, I, th I think I'm torn. Um, Ole Miss, definitely a test. I mean, their passing offense is what it is. They have a definitely a credible running game as well. But Tennessee and Knoxville and a quarterback that can do things to you that, I mean, we've maybe be a little suspect with. Um, it, I, that's probably my biggest fear today. I mean, that may change between now and in November. But today, I think I'm a little more fearful of Knoxville than I am Ole Miss at home. So the disappointments I've had watching on tape of Joe Milton's performance and lack of progression, it's the opposite story for their defense. Their defense is pretty havoc creating. Like they get after the quarterback really, really well. Now, granted, they've played some pretty bad offensive lines, but who hasn't, you know, to this point in the season? It's a lot of cupcakes on, on the preliminary schedules for a lot of these football teams. 
but Tennessee's ability to get after the quarterback while also playing that game at home, right? So the, the pass rush is one thing in a neutral field. It's one thing, you know, when you're, you know, an away team, but you get an additional, like, get off, an additional burst when you're playing at home in front of a loud crowd and teams are on silent counts or teams are on clap counts. So their ability to get after the quarterback, that being Tennessee, kind of would scare me. Their, their speed in the slot is the concern. It's, it's everyone's concern when you play Tennessee. Are we going to be able to get after the quarterback fast enough and quick enough to where their deep shot passing game doesn't affect us and we don't have to cover forever? Um, the Ole Miss football game is the concern. It has been the concern for me um, because we've seen kind of what the perimeter run game with the quarterback has been. And, and it's not just this year. That's been the recipe for anybody having any type of rushing success against Georgia. You either design the quarterback run or you have a scrambling quarterback. Like Jaden Daniels had some success rushing the football in the SEC championship game last year, just scrambling when the pocket opened. Hey, as soon as I see grass, let me take it. Ole Miss has been the, the kind of fearful one for me for quite some time on this schedule for, for good reason. I mean, they, they're, they're a good offensive football team, but man, Georgia at this point doesn't really get beat at home except for, you know, on my anniversary. Yeah, and I think yeah. what continue, typically scares people about Tennessee is the explosivity of the offense. Now, they haven't been as explosive this season as they have in years past, and Georgia also does a good job of maintaining those. Now, there have been some gaps in the secondary this year, which you've mentioned before, of potentially there being deep shots available for offenses to take. But I think Georgia just – they figured out something about Tennessee's offense. I think that's kind of what we've seen. So, I think that kind of makes me shift to Ole Miss more than Tennessee. I'm still going to go Tennessee just because of the environment. Yeah. There, I mean, you've had one true road game, and you'll have had really one other up until that point. So I think, I mean, Tennessee's going to be your toughest road environment. It's going to be your one of two true road environments of the season. So Correct me if I'm wrong, and Jamie, you're more the historian. The last several times y'all have played in Neyland, y'all have jumped on that ass really quickly, haven't you? Definitely, yes. Yeah, so that, that's the key there. Silence those guys really, really quickly. Um, hey, Jamie, you are a veteran Nashville goer, I would imagine. You, the, my man's, not to give too much away, but you're, you're, you're a northern Georgia guy, all right? So when we're picking road games every other year, you're taking your butt up to Nashville. So as a veteran, you know, Vanderbilt away game goer, what's the key to having a successful day for an 11 a.m. local kick? Because Lord knows you ain't played nothing but nooners against Vanderbilt the last 10 years. For me? Yeah, for you, dog. <laughs> Pedialyte. Mm. <laughs> no, but I mean, so it, it's an early Friday night. I mean, do do dinner and a couple of drinks Friday night. Don't try to take it all in for an 11 a.m. Central kick um, because you can get caught up pretty quick downtown. I mean, it, 11 o'clock goes to 3 a.m. in the blink of an eye. It's, it just happens that fast. So, you know, First night, take it easy. Should we dump a hot take on them? Go ahead. Bring, it's a collective group hot yeah, take because we're all it. here. Nashville sucks. Nashville's <laughs> overrated. Nashville's horrible. Now, not, not horrible. Nashville's just overrated, okay? Now, this is someone who's gone sober the last, like, eight months. So, like, I'm, not go I'm just going downtown for vibes. Now, this is how I know Nashville is overrated and other cities aren't. I've been sober in Austin. It's fun as hell. I've been sober in Athens. It's fun as hell. There's vibes around the town. Nashville, Nashville's mid. Nashville's filled with nothing but tourists, nothing but uh, like party, like group parties. Bachelor parties. Bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. It is a touristy vibe town. And if you're not going there just to get blackout, it's not fun. And guess what? Like we talked about the other day in here, off show. 
if the baseline is I got to get blackout, Midtown. <laughs> Midtown. Thank Nashville you. is mid. That, that, I mean, that's a horrible take. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. Why? Why is it horrible? I mean, you sound like someone that's probably been to like the, the four biggest bars in Nashville. No, we hopped them. Yeah. We, we hopped, hopped them. them. We hopped and, them. And what did you do while you were there? When, when you were hopping bars, what, what, what were y'all doing? What was the conversation like between you guys? I mean, we're, we're big. When we go out, we're big people watchers and a, mm-hmm. like a couple drinks a bar guy. Mm-hmm. Like you grab a, grab a drink. I'm a, I'm a Red Bull, uh, uh, Red Bull sh- sugar-free cranberry guy. No alcohol. Get a weird-ass look every single time. Uh, my man's over here is Crown and Coke, okay? Or Vodka Red Bull. Or Vodka Red Bull, and you're just a straight I mean, the crowd's drinker, probably right? just a little mature for you guys. Oh. oh. I mean, that's probably one of it. The, after the 15th I mean, I, time, uh, after I heard Wagon Wheel for the 15th time that's, that's by correct. some hack band, I was like, this sucks. The live music is kind of is kind of mid, to be honest with you. There's a couple of bars that got some bangers, that they have some actual real musicians and soon-to-be stars. But a lot of well, them are like some hacks. The like live music in, in a lot of those bars is not always good. In fact, last time we were there, so we're they were, they were. It was like '90s grunge night or something. Every single bar, there was no country music. So I think we missed on this. I think some people think Nashville's great. I, I'm out. Nashville is a fun trip. I mean, it's not somewhere you want to go, but if you're doing it once every two years, if you can't find fun in that, you don't know how to have fun. I'm with you there. I mean, again, I, I, we shouldn't have gone in that hot. Just there's you better cities. And there's better cities. You know, maybe that's my problem because this will be my third time in like a year because yeah. we were out there for SEC media days yeah. and now we're going this weekend. I was there on spring break last year. Yeah. So maybe it's just I've been doing it too much over the last All year. All right. Okay. Let's do this. You can't do it. Y'all are going to be much. there. Y'all will be there Saturday night, right? I will. The boys are coming home. But yeah, I'll be there with uh, you. Yeah. Well, I was, so you come out with us. And then let's have this conversation next time, and you'll see the difference. All right, I, you know who will be the unbiased observer? My wife. We'll br- we'll bring Haley with us, and we'll see what happens. So perfect. Um, how about that? The Austins and the Goodmans hitting the town, maybe with some special guests as well Saturday. And well, we'll uh, have the Miltons with us. Oh well, just, just I mean, just, just come on, <laughs> just man. We got a lot of people watching. You ain't got to just give all the goods away. Um, but anyways, so yeah, Nashville, man. Eh. All right, but no, I I love the advice here from Jamie on on, on the game day. If you're going up, take it easy on Friday night. Don't be getting too too outrageous because Saturday early, early call right there at 11 a.m. kick. Um, So we'll all be there. We'll all be in attendance. Um, So it'll be fun. It'll be a good time up there. But, yeah, make sure you hit that PD light. Uh, I would go before bed and in the morning, okay? Make sure you're stacking them electrolytes in there. Hey, there are – Finally, finally, uh, a healthy football team. Jamie, uh, what are some concerns that you have on this football team uh, moving forward other than just general health? I mean, I just want to see us play with some consistency. I want to see what we did last week, put stack together two or three weeks in a row. Um, Because, I mean, going into this to last weekend, I mean, I think it was easy to identify several concerns. some of that seemed to work its way out Saturday. Uh, O-line played, to me, a lot better. Um, offense clicked. We can do that this weekend in Vanderbilt, and then obviously in Jacksonville. Then my concerns will start to diminish. But right now, I still have all of them. Let's see it happen more than once. I still have all of them. Do it in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I no, no, say- you don't have to do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> 
I wouldn't necessarily label this as a concern, but going into the consistency part, I'd like to continue to see the wide receivers continue to build around and support Brock a little bit. Not that they haven't been, but like seeing more Marcus or Simi Jack Saint um, performances with 99 yards, continue to see Dominic Love at Ra Ra Thomas, continue to see those guys pop, continue to feed Ladd a little bit as he gets more comfortable. I think the one problem Georgia's ran into with beating the shit out of Kentucky last week is that a lot of people are going to expect that a performance like that is the baseline from here on out. Well, I think that was their expectations going into the week. That's why everybody was doubting them. This ain't the same Georgia as if they didn't have a one-score win against Missouri last year, as if they didn't kind of look somewhat mid against Sanford last year. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Anybody remember they almost like they gave up 28 points to Kent State? Anybody remember that one? Yeah. It's, it's like, wild. No, but that was the standard. you got to beat everybody by 40 or else everybody's doubting your existence or yeah. your, your domination, I should say. So I guess the biggest concern would be can they consistently live up to that expectation or is it going to be doom and gloom if they don't, like all over again? I mean, it's always going to be doom and gloom with the base if you're not doing what we did the two natty years in the best games. Um, that's just the way it is now. But I, I don't need to see 50 to 13. But I do need to see us able to inflict our will when we need to, because there's going to be a time when we have to. Mm-hmm. So back to the concerns, and we're going to go right into where he, we got a segment called the satisfied line here in a second that I, I, want, to, I want to toss around the room uh, to continue on that, that you're never going to really satisfy the base comment from our man Jamie right there. Um, my concern this year is the same concern I've kind of had every year, is like the moment you run into a football team that can actually maybe protect with a quarterback that can really like make proper decisions and has weaponry. Um, so those are the teams that have always scared me with Georgia. It's never been the Michigans. Like Georgia versus Michigan, y'all are playing the same brand of football and Georgia has better players. Like that's what it's been uh, in that matchup, right? Say it's almost become that in, in the Alabama matchups to me. Like y'all play the same style of defense and you're – like star linebacker, the guy that's been playing great for y'all was the third, fourth, fifth stringer on this Georgia. You see what I'm saying? Like they're all very, very like those are similar football teams. Georgia should beat those football teams. The ones that have always scared me on paper as an, an analyst when I watch them, it's the Ohio State's from last year. It's the Washington's from this year. I don't consider USC a portion of that because they can't consider they you can't even consider them uh, an admissible defense. Um, so those are my concerns. Like, hey, and it's it's long term concerns. It's the moment you got a quarterback that's able to you know extend plays and, and take advantage of some good pass protection with some weapons around him. Um, that's the moment it becomes problemsome or, or problematic for this Georgia defense. Hey, boys, uh, let's get into this satisfied line. Georgia is a thirty-one and a half point favorite on Saturday. Okay, so being a Georgia football fan, you three. Okay, and me being the guy, the uh, unbiased observer here, I know that there is a standard, and the standard is whip that ass and whip that ass early. Okay, I want to be able to go drink profusely in the second half of this football game if I'm a Georgia fan on a Saturday. I want to have no stresses, and I want to be watching Brock Vandergriff throw for some tutties in the second half. What is the line of satisf- satisfaction? For the University of Georgia, how much do they have to win this game by? We'll start with you, Jamie, actually. I mean, for me, how much do they have to win by? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The fanatical, the idiot, the guy in your I mean, the guy in your mentions talking about right. it ain't good enough. How bad does Georgia have to beat them Saturday? 
so you have to cover and you have to do it in a manner where you don't allow them in the end zone. So they don't get to score. So, I mean, if it's like it's, a 52, six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's what they're after. Ooh, that's brutal. What yeah. you guys think? If I'm getting a picture from my dad at halftime of a victory cigar and a bourbon, then that's it. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what that means. Georgia took care of business the way that the fans expect them to. Yeah. I think if Georgia covers and yeah, I'd say if you if allow it, allowing a touchdown might be a bit much. You might get some outrage out really? on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, I mean that that's just I don't it, that happens every time. I, oh my gosh, the defense! People kind of get upset about it. But this Vanderbilt team's averaging like twenty eight points per game in conference play. They're not like. Wait, the, wait till I tell you this this stat. Oh, you you got you got a bad one yeah, for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it in this in this segment or in the Kirby hates Vandy? Segment? I mean, we can use it for both. We can dump it whenever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, dump it now. Okay, no so, need to tease. So Just give it to me. Come Saturday, it will be 1,505 days since Vanderbilt has scored a single point against Georgia. See, this is always a fun stat because it's 365 days in a year. So just tell me years. When was the last time they did it? The last time they scored was in 2019. The last time they scored a touchdown was in 2018. Five years ago. So the last time they scored a touchdown, Monty Rice was a junior. Yeah. How about that? Because you think about it, they didn't play in 2020, which is yeah. kind of the segment I'm going at, and they've shut them out the last two years. The last time they scored a touchdown, Justin Fields was on the roster. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wow. That's intense. So, if you think about it, Vanderbilt putting up like 10 this Saturday, that's not going to fly, bro. Hmm. You're going to see people on Twitter like, I can't believe we ended a streak. <laughs> <laughs> this I can't bullshit. believe we gave up a touchdown to the Power 5 Division One football team. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, everybody calling for an absolute drumming. I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't doubt it. it's going to happen. Um, all right, but before we – let's get back to these kind of round-robin-y uh, mid-season award topic discussions because we are halfway through the season, and there are some really good football games coming up. You got Missouri. You got Ole Miss. You got Tennessee. Uh, rivalry game, if it matters to you, to some people. Apparently, Kirby Smart's biggest, like, different vibe change every single year is when Georgia Tech week starts. He hates Georgia Tech. Jamie, do you have anything on this? He absolutely despises Georgia Tech. The reason we know this, Pop was asked, where does Auburn rank on the rivalry rankings at the University of Georgia? And he said, Coach Smart would be mad if I didn't put Georgia Tech at the top. So do you have any insights on why in the hell he hates Georgia Tech? Yeah, I don't think it's just Kirby. It's those old school Georgia guys. I mean, the Tech was the rivalry then. You got to think, the Florida rivalry was – the Steve Spurrier part of it was they're getting to the middle of it, but visors are cool. Spurrier. What's that? Uh, sorry. I was just riffing. You think visors are cool. Spurrier continue. Oh yeah. No, my bad. Um, no, but I think tech was the, was the rivalry every year prior to Florida igniting. So mm. it, it's kind of entrenched in him kind of like the Florida rivalry rivalry has been done that way with me. Yeah, I could see. I mean, in the 90s, to be fair, Georgia wasn't much of a rival with Florida. I remember – I don't remember, but Steve Spurrier beat the shit out of Georgia pretty good yeah. from what I, what I remember hearing about from my dad. No, but he yeah, did. So, he did? And rubbed our noses in it. And, and the further he went along – but it was really once you started getting up into the Mark Rick years that it – I mean, that the blood really started boiling. Hmm. Yeah. So, prior to that, it was Tech. Yeah. I, that makes sense to me, honestly. And, and he was coaching somewhere else at that point. So, I mean, he was coaching at <laughs> in, in, in a different place. So, it probably doesn't rub him the same way. 
And yeah. I also think he he's kind of gone on record saying, you know, I don't, why would I hate Auburn? I've recruited half the guys on that team. Yeah. So I mean, you've got a lot of these big power fives. Because whereas Tech, he's probably not mm-hmm. taking as many players on the Tech roster, so he doesn't relate to them as much. So it's actually the opposite now via the transfer portal. I would imagine as long as Buster's there, um, Faulkner that is, the former offensive analyst that's now the co-offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech. Um, I would imagine as long as he's there, because um, he he did he, not necessarily a heavy role. But he played a role in a lot of offensive recruiting during his time at the University of Georgia um, because Munkin wasn't a guy that was going to be pounding the trail, to be 100% honest with you. So Buster did a little bit of it. And I'm sure he has a lot of relationships with some Georgia players that maybe aren't necessarily getting some burn. So we've seen Georgia in years past. We talked about this the other day, how Georgia kind of has a select few programs that they're willing to kind of hand their players off to, Arkansas being one, uh, who else we Ole got? Miss. Ole Miss being one, Alabama being one, um, and I think Georgia Tech. You know, Brett Seether and Dominic Blaylock, and, and and maybe some potential others down the road. That's a, a program you might see some guys get over to. But anyways, the whole purpose we got into talking about the second half schedule is because there are some opportunities for guys to flash and make some breakout performances. I've kind of been playing cleanup here. I'll start here. I've been on team play Kristen Miller more for like the last two weeks now. Um, I think as the schedule goes on and you get a little bit more opportunities to maybe put up some points, particularly this weekend, um, I think you're going to see 52 really start to flash um, and really gain some confidence. I think that's the last little like bit in his football game. We've got to be able to see it click down in and down out. Um, I want to see it be him. I want to see him get more playing time. Um, but I think it's going to be, and I don't mean to steal two guys here, I think it's going to be Marvin Jones Jr., I think there is a path where three or four weeks from now, we're talking about number seven really growing into his own as not only a first and second down player, but what we all know him to eventually be, which is a guy who can get after the quarterback. Jamie, who's a guy in the second half you're looking forward to maybe having a breakout year? Second half star. You know, a guy I'd like to see really get some extended run is on offense, and that's C.J. Smith. Mm. Not sure if he'll find the reps at this point, with the way our wide receivers are playing, but that, that's who I'd like to see it happen to. But if not, um, defense, I'm, I'm going to throw a wild card out there. I think it's I think it's Humphrey. Mm. I would imagine at some point, I mean, not imagine, but at some point there's going to be an injury somewhere, mm-hmm. and somebody's going to need to step up. But you are right. Some smart mention, Kirby Smart mentioned this week, they're still in a battle there. They're, they're still playing. Julian's getting some reps in there with Dalen Everett. Uh, I like your I like your take on C.J. Smith um, for this reason. You are a 12 personnel team, so you're not playing a whole bunch of wide receivers a ton anyways. Um, and especially with Ladd getting back, there's limited playing time. Ra-Ra Thomas playing well, Ladd playing well. You know Dominic Lovett's going to be in the mix. Um, so, you know Dylan Bell's going to be in the mix. You know Marcus or Simi Jack Saint's going to be in the mix. I think C.J. Smith starts to get more playing time because number 11 – not only has drops, but missed blocks. And that's all I'm going to say. I don't spend a lot of time harping on mistakes, um, but it is noticeable. It is obvious. If we can't catch the ball, if we can't block on the edge, then we're going to eventually start losing reps and losing counts. We'll see what happens this weekend at that position. You guys kind of took all the good ones. Uh, One I would kind of want to see, I don't know if he's necessarily going to pop, but I think a guy who – could make some good progress and set you up well in the future as Roderick Robinson. Yeah. After he gets healthy with that ankle injury, he got a lot of reps in those first few Sounds games. Sounds like he's back running on land this week, so I don't know if it's going to be this week. Florida looks like the timetable. That's good. So, I mean, I think down the stretch here, who knows, maybe Dejan Edward gets a sprained ankle or Kendall Milton has another injury flare-up. So, I mean, 
I think at some point you're going to have to look to him and he's going to make a few plays. This may seem like a cop-out for offense, but I think Amarius Mims is going to be the breakout second-half guy just because he hasn't been playing in the first half of the season. And then this one might sound a little obscure, and it's not to say that um, he hasn't played well in the first half, but I think Javon Bullard is going to have a breakout second half. This was kind of the time of year last year where he started to really flash, make yeah. some big plays. It seems like when the occasions get bigger and the games get bigger, that's when 22 starts to really flash defensively. So I think he could be in for a big breakout second half He was about season. six inches from an interception against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are right. There's something about that, that late end of the season type of run. Um, he, st- he tends to start to pop. Now, the only question I have about that is obviously he's moved further away from the ball, mm-hmm. playing safety and not star. So we've kind of seen those imp- impactful, the wow plays, if you will, come from Tyke this year. Yeah. And I think that's by nature of that position. Yeah. There's so much offense that's operating through that portion of the field, right? That kind of extended box um, that whoever your star position player is at the University of Georgia. That guy's probably going to be making a lot of plays. You guys had some Athens after dark subject for me. This was this was J Will. Yeah. This was J Will. What, what do we got here? What is this? I had a little Athens. Buckle event. up, Jamie. I got no clue what's about to happen. <laughs> oh boy. So I was leaving because we carpool. So I was leaving Christian's house last night. And I got yeah. out of the driveway, and there's an oncoming car on the other side, and there's a car parked in front of me. So like I'm waiting on them. But the, they're kinda, the good person test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna let them come on through, but they're driving a little slow, and oh. there's I could see something on top of the car. So I was like, oh, pizza delivery guy doesn't know where he's going. Kind of just lost. But anyways, I stay put. Let them come through. Well, as they get closer, I noticed that it is not a pizza delivery sign on top of the car. It is a girl sitting on top of this car while it is moving. Yes, a girl sitting on top of the car while it is moving. Now, it's not going fast, but still, moving vehicle, girl sitting on top of the car. And so I'm just kind of like, whoa, that's weird. Well, then they stop like right next to me. I can't go anywhere because there's a parked car. And they wave me down and they're like, tell me to roll my window down. And they proceeded to ask me where Daniel lives. As if I would know where Daniel lives in Kirby's hood of the neighborhood over there in Athens. I don't know, Daniel. Daniel. And I just said, no, I don't. And I just, they kept on going, smiling and waving, I guess, trying to find where Daniel lives. Just hanging out on top of a car. Just hanging out with, I assume, her boyfriend driving. What kind of place are you living in, bro? I actually live near Five Points, so it's like, I'm not in the shanty area. Hmm. I've seen no Jay Will's place. You still over in that place? (laughs) Yes, I am. Three years strong now. I'm praying for you, bro. Not a bad thing happened. That's not his place isn't even that bad. Thank I you. mean, I'm just worried about the steps walking up. <laughs> I, I, you, I really do think you have a lawsuit on your hands. You, if you, you know really want to commit. If you really want to commit, I mean, you got at least 20 racks. You know what's really bad is this past summer, they replaced pretty much every step except mine. I got the OG te- steps still. I'm Everybody else got brand new ones. I'm telling you, bro, you, you think I'm playing. You out here fucking up a bag. Uh, I know on, a great injury attorney. Yeah, you oh, know somebody, know. Jamie. Jamie's got all kind of guys. I'm sure Jamie got a guy. You got a guy, Jamie. Problem is, you got, got up a, on a, a Georgia guy. That <laughs> a UGA grad. How about Ooh. that? Next rainy day, might not hear from me for a little bit. <laughs> Damn. So yeah, just hanging out after dark. I got an after dark story. Ooh. I think I've told you guys this. I've told you about the the guy who I thought was going to kill me, yes. but he thought I was going to kill him. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I haven't, have Jamie, have I told you this story? I mean, I thought I've heard all the stories, but so I, I you know, I go, I tend to go for late night jogs just cause I'm up anyways and there's nothing to right. do and the work's done. So I, I go out, take a run through the neighborhood. Um, it's about 1130, 1145. I'm running through the neighborhood and I pull off or, you know, I, I, I'm walking up a hill 
And all of a sudden, a, a car comes up and like pulls up next to me. I'm on the left side on the sidewalk. This guy pulls up on the left side of the street, okay, like right next to my hip. So I kind of walk past this driveway. And what I fail to realize is, Mans is very obviously trying to back up into his own driveway. But I think this guy's like pulling up next to me at 11:45 at night. Like, what the hell's going on? So I just reach into my pocket for my phone, and uh, he clearly thinks I'm reaching for a gun. Okay. And obviously, after I walk past him, he then proceeds to pull out of his driveway and then case me for the next, like, half mile until I kind of, like, put my hands up and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm, 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 I'm just a friendly fella out here trying to get a little, a little bit less fat. Um, and then he just kind of watched me walk up and walk back and then past his house and everything was all copacetic. He's a dog fan. He had a little Georgia license plate on the front of it. So, Hey, maybe he was just uh, uh, somebody who watches the show and, and, and wanted to say hello. But no, he, he, I thought he was trying to kill me. He thought I was trying to kill him. And just a couple guys thinking that the other guy was going to kill him. To be fair, if you see someone running at 1130 at night, you're yeah. not going to be like, that person's definitely exercising right now. I don't know. Have you seen how fat I am? <laughs> you're a little harsh on yourself. I know. It, it's kind of the deal. Um, but it is what it is. Um, what else do we got tonight? Uh, what, oh, what can we learn from Saturday, guys? I got one right here for you. I actually got three things for you here. A little bit of extra analysis for you here to close the show. Um, Jamie kind of hit on this one earlier. Play to the standard, right? The, the, the national championship football teams for Georgia stack consecutive wins, consec good consecutive wins. Play great, play flawless, play to the standard two weeks in a row. Show some consistency here. And if you do so, it'll allow you to do what we want to do next, which is get some type of game tape on Brock Vandergrift. I think one thing that really helped Carson this year was that last year and years past, dude got to operate offense. Dude got to go in there and like really take drives onto his own and really get to operate within the system. I know Brock's had a couple of opportunities to do that, but I want like free reign. I want like a full quarter where it's his, where he gets to go out there and kind of operate and operate freely. Um, I also want to see some old heads um, that are kind of banged up get out early. Now, I'm not saying this is a football team that's injured. In fact, I think they're healthier now than they have been at any point in this season. But I will tell you this, having some football experience myself, this is the time of the year as the winter starts or as the, 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 the temperatures start to change, as the season starts to fall, um, and as, the, as the, the schedule starts to flip over, man, the old heads are hurting. All right, guys are starting to take less reps in practice. Uh, you know, you might have a, a foot that hurts a little bit. My toe got stepped on last week. Uh, I took a ball weird and, and my left finger hurts, right? Whatever it is, whatever is banged up at this point in the season, this week, heading into a bye week, is a great opportunity to have your starters play 28, 30, 35 snaps and then get to sit on the sideline with a cool little hat and some Powerade and get nice and, and, and injury-free heading into a bye week. That's what I'm looking for. Jay Will, what can we learn from this weekend? Definitely to see the consistency of the standard, like you said, but even also going off of your injuries of like getting guys out early, I think it's a great time to figure out where your depth chart stands now. I know yeah. we kind of get to see that early in the season against the teams like you – UT Martin and Ball State and like that. But then as you progress in the season and seeing who comes out first when the starter is no longer in, I think those things kind of start to change than what they were in week one. So seeing who's kind of pushing the envelope maybe a little bit, knowing more about your team, and if something does happen, who's going to be the guy to step into that role? Well, this was actually the article I just put out before we went on air. So I did, I did three things that you can prove. One of them is 
Saturday's Saturday's win against Kentucky wasn't a fluke. It wasn't Kentucky had a bad game or Georgia, you know, just got lucky on them. They're that good. That's a standard they should be playing at. Another one is the offense is in full swing now. They're full throttle. They've got everything all firing on all cylinders. And then the second one, or the third one I have, was Georgia can play kind of any time, any place. It's an 11 a.m. local kick. You're away from Athens. You've only had one other game on the road this season. So the fact if you come out strong, it's not a ruckus environment whatsoever, but just playing well when you're not in Athens says a lot. Jambo, what you got? I'm pretty sure it's across the board. Play the standard. And, and like you said, get some of the old heads out. I mean, for me, I'd like to see Brock out at halftime or shortly after. I mean, I'm pretty sure the kids played with about a half a dozen or more different dings all year long that he's just played through. So giving some of those guys an opportunity to sit down and get some young kids some reps, I mean, I think it goes a long way with both them and the production of our young athletes. I'm over here tweeting out your article. Yeah, just um, You are 100% right in the fact that man's played through so many dings this year. Last week got leg, like leg whipped, but he leg whipped himself harder than, I mean, it looked like his leg was rubber mm -hmm. for a second. Gets up, hobbles off, goes into the tent, just gets tape. Just tape. They just taped him like he had a cut on his leg or some yeah. shit. And then he ran back out there, had another 120 yards. I, I don't know what man's is made of. Um, I, I want to know, because I, I, you know Kirby. Like, he's, he's obsessed about everything. We talk about this all the time. I want to know what, like, if they've put him through any type of test or studies, if they've, like, really observed him to see if there's any transferable traits that they can look for in the next guy that they're recruiting. Mm. There has to be something Insanity. about his – Whatever it is. <laughs> it's, that's what I'm saying. Find out whatever it is about him that makes him such a unique worker and such a unique athlete. And, and maybe that is. Maybe he is just unique. Maybe he is one of one. But I, fi I find it hard to believe that there's not another – just there's not something about him that we can quantify and then apply to further recruiting because you get, you got to find more of those guys because I mean holy shit he is yeah. a special football player. It was mm -hmm. it was funny on Saturday the injury you're talking about. It was funny because it was when he went up for a ball didn't get it and the crowd kind of went oh you know and then when they saw him get up and kind of hobble did you hear the crowd go oh fuck Jesus <laughs> Christ? <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. That was funny. I think it is pretty. Impressive how a guy over three years now, of course, knock on wood, has had no substantial injuries, or he plays like he has no substantial injuries with as much uh, output as he's had. Exactly. Well. I mean, there was the shoulder thing for a little bit, but he just plays through everything, and he continues to just—he's always there for you, and he's always available. And you know, people say the best ability is availability, and he certainly has that. Now, Jamie, I'd be interested in your take on this, and obviously, I'm interested on in your take on everything. That's why you're on here today. Um, do you think there's any harbored hatred for that 2020 cancellation? I know it's been two years from, like, we're two and a half, three years removed from this. But since that game, like, they have really kind of run it up on, on Vanderbilt. Or is that just a byproduct of Vanderbilt being Vanderbilt? I, I mean, both. I, I think there is harbored hatred. There, at least there is for me. And Kirby's, he's cut from the same cloth. Kirby takes all of that to heart. He can say what he wants in the media because he's got to. But damn right. He, um... He don't like it, and any opportunity he gets to, to rub it in, that's what he's going to do. I, for, I, I always get APA formatted here. I know they taught you all this in journal school. You should assume every listener has no idea what you're talking about. Um, Vanderbilt canceled 2020 Senior Day on Georgia during the COVID season and claimed it was because of roster spots, but it was a little finicky. I think they played two weeks later, so eh, it was very weird. Yeah. 
You, th- what, you had the stat on it. So, yeah, obviously. I know we blew the load on it. Obviously, but. there's that 1,500 days since they've scored a single point. Yeah. Since the cancellation, Georgia's outscored Vandy 113 0. 113 to 0. They've they haven't out- scored a point? No. They've outgained Vandy 1,111 yards to 227. Mm. So, more than what is that? Hectupled their total yardage? Hectupled. <laughs> Hectupled? You got to be the first person to ever actually use that. Is that yeah, time I six? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's time six, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not time six, but a it's hectagon is, is six sides, right, Jamie? Hex. Yes. Hex. Hex. Yeah, so hecta, hexa. Same nah, thing, right? it's, it's not no. right. I got it wrong. Nah. Moving on. They forced four turnovers. They've allowed just a 40% completion percentage on passing. Mm. And then, obviously, the 1,500 days since Vanderbilt scored a single point by the time they play. So I would say that Kirby's kind of gotten his licks in after this cancellation. <laughs> Have they improved? Vanderbilt. It's so hard to tell. I don't, like that's one team that's. It's always kind of hard to tell if they're taking steps forward. I feel like they have. I feel like under Clark Lee, they have taken some steps forward. I feel like the player personnel overall has taken some steps forward, but they just always seem to have the same type of season every single year. Jamie, I know you're you bleed it red and black, but if you could just be sympathetic for a moment, if you were cursed with being a Vanderbilt fan, which honestly. You're only really about 100 miles from that curse having become true. Um, what, would, what should be your expectations for Vanderbilt football? Uh, yeah, I think the expectations is not to set expectations. That's a great point. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, you're just setting yourself up because there's no history of success. How, how can you expect them to be anything other than they are in an area that you can't recruit in? Mm-mm. I mean, Nashville's not a not a draw for recruits, and Tennessee as a whole isn't a great state. So, I mean, the debt's just stacked against them. I, mean, I don't care who they hire; they're not ever going to be successful. Ooh, that's tough. Mm. No, it's it's. I think it's mostly true. Yeah, because yeah. here's the deal: it's it, it's it's a matter of talent acquisition and proximity to talent's a major portion of that. And they're always going to be little brother, no matter what. First of all, so they are the Georgia Tech to Georgia in that state um, to to Tennessee. And not only that, like they got they got mid-major programs in that state that ball out every year. Middle Tennessee State seems to be always good. Memphis, Memphis. seems to be always good. Okay, so there are a lot of competitive factors going on uh, against Vanderbilt. Not to mention the just the the resources allocated to that side of the the athletic department is probably not on par. It's definitely not on par with the rest of the conference. Let's go around the room and get some score predictions for today. Um, oh, actually, hold on, before we do that, Jamie, you're a resident, like, ticket connoisseur. What, yep. Is this going to be a red and black stadium Saturday, if, if anybody shows up at all? Or has it been kind of one of those, eh, like, mildly interested football game for Georgia fans' standpoint? It's not nearly, yeah, there's not nearly as much interest as in, in this game as years past, but it's still going to be a red and black stadium. But I, the, the problem is, I think the stadium's only at about, 33 or 35,000 capacity. I bet there's the, less than 25,000 people at this football game on Saturday. That's and if that's take. the case, it's, it's going to be wet, probably, it's going to be cold, it's going to be gross. It'll be, if there's 25,000, there'll be 20,000 Georgia fans. Oh, it's really going to be raining. And that's really not a hot take. That's just what it's like. I think it's supposed to be like 55 and raining. Oh. I don't think it's going to rain. You don't think it's going to rain? No, nah. it, it was raining today. To rain on Monday I forgot just in my in my uh, observations today. 
I think Georgia has a, a very significant advantage over a lot of programs. And I, I have, granted, I haven't studied a lot of other programs like I have the facilities at the University of Georgia. But their indoor, being able to open the doors and run straight out into their outdoor practice facilities mm -hmm. allows them to have half the field indoor under controlled environments. And during days like today when it's raining, they can take them outside and get them some wet ball practice. So, like, when I walked by the field today, they were in the middle of transition. They were going from defense outside to offense outside. And they're all there, all their coaches and everything flip-flop. So, I mean, it's just, again, I know, like, other stadium, uh, other programs, I'm sure, have this. But they built that like that on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and it is very much so a distinct advantage for them. All right, let's go back around the room uh, and give predictions. Score predictions for Saturday. What do you got? I'm going to go, hmm. 48 to 7. I think Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt gets one touchdown. One garbage touchdown. I was going to say 52 to 7. So about the same. Jambo, what you got? I got 35 to 3. Oh, see, Jamie's always. Uh, why? Hold on. Well, I, don't, I don't mean to stereotype you. Why? <clears throat> why only 35 points against this Vandy team? Why 50? We've only done that once this year. Be, well, that, that's, that's a once this year thing. Um, there, here's the why I say it's like 42-6. Um, I think they do score a lot of points because I think offensively you are – like you're good. I think the, the problem in the games that you haven't scored a ton of points is your defense have given up elongated drives, um, which has caused you on offense to kind of gear down a little bit. If you notice, they've really just started to play with pace the last couple of football games, really getting on the ball and getting after it. But here's why I think they score a lot of points on Saturday, Jamie. Um, that Vandy defense is bad. Like, they've given up 430 yards per game this year, and I think almost 38 points oh, per game this year. Is, it, is it Ball State bad, or is it worse than that? Um, it's I mean, SEC Power 5, it's way worse than that. Ball State, okay, I see what you're doing. You're like, yeah, okay, I get, I get what you're doing. You're, you're questioning offensive output, and I'm with you, okay? That's, I think that's you being a little suspect. Why are you suspect, Jamie? Why aren't you just like just every other Georgia it. fans that just think just they're going to score 50? Well, because because they haven't. <laughs> I got to see it more than once. We are a show-me program. We are a show-me program around here, and you want to see some consistency. It's fair. Yeah, and it's look, fair. I don't care if we win 15 games this year by a total of 37 points combined. When you win 15 games, that's all that matters. No style um, points, just get it done. You can get it done, but I mean, if we're if we're giving predictions and trying to to think like that, I mean, before I can start getting my mind into the mid 40s and 50s every week, I've got to see it happen more than one time. That's fair. Just for the record, Vanderbilt is 111th in total defense. Ball State is ahead of them at 74th, and then they're also 118th in scoring defense. So better than Ball State. How about that? But let's let's look at I mean who they've played though to see if that matches. <laughs> hey, we got a whole other hour coming up, Jamie. I appreciate you for joining us today. Maybe um, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning over on our phone call. That's right. I'm calling you tomorrow morning, Jamie. All right, fellas. You'll have a great evening. All Thanks right, for man. having me. Hey, we got a whole other hour of NBR coming up, and it's a great one. We're going to close out the week with our final score predictions or our final predictions on some of the nation's biggest games on the slate. I love you. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button on your way out.